Hello and welcome back to What Do You Know For Sure podcast with me, Anne Hughes. In this episode, I was joined by Charlotte Weatherly as we talked about the words and the names and the labels that are given to women. And what Charlotte knows for sure is that there's no such thing as a slut. This was a fascinating conversation and to be fair, slightly different, I think, from all the other podcasts, so over 100 podcasts that I've done, in that she had something else to talk about but decided to talk about this after reading something the morning before we were recording it and also that it just leaves an awful lot open for so it's like more like I think she opens up something in her minds as we listen to this conversation and it's just really having that dive into how do I define other women and how am I going from now on and what is going to be acceptable for me was probably a bigger thing for how other people define and label other women. I hope that you enjoy. Charlotte, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It's great to be here. Yes, it is, and it's lovely to be seeing you virtually. Tell us a bit about you. Gosh, I don't really know where to start. Um, international kid, so grew up, lived in three countries, but now pretty much settled in London, just got married. So kind of at that standard early 30s in your life, trying to figure out where you're going to settle, what you want to settle with, you know, what you want, to, what your priorities are. Yeah. So yeah, it's just a fun time to be to be me, to be, or at least it's an interesting time to be me. Uh-huh. Great, great. And we hadn't talked about this too much because we did see each other in the real world recently and we hadn't spoken about this until like in the last few days. I'm really excited because I know you've been thinking about it to hear. Charlotte, what do you know for sure? So I actually sat down this morning and I did all this research. I had this beautifully kind of academically crafted argument on this really interesting topic that lots of people said was great. And then I did what you should never do. (laughs) I went online. I went on Twitter for a quick scroll to kind of, you know, relax, saw something that made me just so angry and I changed my plan completely and didn't tell nobody even knows what I'm going to be talking about. But basically, it's something that I had, it was the reason why it didn't first occur to me was because it was a decision that I made very much at the beginning of my adult life. So when I was 18, and had just left home. Mm-hmm. And it stuck with me for so long that it was completely internalized. And just seeing it today, it just all came back to me. And I went, no, this is what I know. I don't need other people's research. I don't need other people's opinions. I know this. Okay. And it's that there is no such thing as a slut. Wow, yes. This is so interesting. I love it. I've got lots of thoughts to say on this, but first, how did you get there? How do you know that? So, like I said, I mean, I I suppose I'm a little bit triggered by what I saw online basically today. Uh But, you know, it really comes down to, once again, having lived in three countries or between three countries for a lot of my life, what I realized very quickly was that the the kind of stick to beat women down is always about don't make the wrong impression, don't be slutty. But the requirements that were being put on me changed depending on who I was around, which country I was in, who I was talking to. And just at that moment, I realized this is all nonsense and there's no such thing as a slut. And that person, I'm going to have to live my life and that person's not going to like it. And that person is going to like it. And that person's going to be neutral And like I said, I think from that point, I internalized it and lived it. 
But it's interesting the more I see things change on this because I remember back in the day, you know, 12, yeah, 12 years ago now, where, you know, it was the kind of odd casual sexist comments. There wasn't as much of an online conversation about this. Mm-hmm. Whereas now what we're really seeing is because specifically Twitter, Instagram, phone hacking, how it's gone from casual sexist comments and, you know, potentially and, you know, glass ceiling issues to now fully weaponized, almost like bullet against women. I'll tell you why this is really interesting to me, Charlotte, because my 15-year-old daughter's had a wee mini obsession with Greece recently, as we all do, at some point in her life. And we were talking about, and like my sisters maybe were saying to her, that she changes herself for a man. And that's probably what I always seen as well, right? What my 15-year-old has been educating me on this week is that she became in touch with her sexuality. So Sandy, when she was all prim and proper, wasn't fully in touch with her whole self. And actually, we got it wrong by thinking it was the man, it was her that was becoming more in touch with her sexuality. But as a, as a people, we hate to see a woman in touch with her sexuality. And this is me being schooled by my 15-year-old. Well, equally, we don't like to see them in a vulnerable state and touch their sexuality because Sandy was always the vulnerable character pitted against Rizzo. And, you know, I think Greece was considered really like forward thinking uh-huh. um, because it then showed this very sexually active woman yep. singing, there are worse things I could do. And then because of we showed her vulnerable side, all of a sudden she was sympathetic. Uh-huh. And it goes back to this concept of you don't have to be constantly vulnerable and sweet and kind in order to receive that respect. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And the other thing that was quite funny, actually, that came up in the house last night, my husband listens to a podcast called The Dollop. It's an American podcast. And he had listened to an episode for actually 2014 that was was about purity balls, right? And he said to me, what do you think a purity ball is? Now, I don't think I'm going to go down the lines of what I actually thought a purity ball could possibly be. But it turns out it's a dance and it's where children between 6 and 16 go to a ball and pledge their virginity to their fathers and they give a key to their fathers. And their their fathers and that they will stay pure until they get married and that on their wedding day their father will give said key to the husband. And I think... That is absolutely horrific. Women, I mean, as you know, we are both feminists. We've spoken about this a lot before. And it's like, when do women actually get a break? They actually get judged for everything. And you're right, there is no such thing as a slut. Because there isn't actually a name, there isn't an equivalent name for a man who sleeps with hundreds of women. There isn't one. Yeah, I think there is one coming out now that's fuckboy. But I think even then there's like an element of manipulation in that. I don't know. I mean, that's the one that I've heard a fair bit recently. Once again, um, with my, uh, I think what I'm seeing interesting with that, though, is once again, I don't know if it can be used as a term of endearment. It's definitely every time I've seen it been a negative one. Right. Um, but it's a very recent one as well. Uh-huh. And so um, how do you think, like, you being able to see this, so coming on the podcast and sharing there is no such thing as a slut, what does, and considering that you had something else to talk about and this has just come to you today, how does that make you feel about what you're going to do with that thing that you now know for sure? 
I think for me, the biggest almost learning experience was that I think it made me reevaluate why I haven't been talking about this more because I used to talk about this all the time. Um, and it used to be something that I was never shied away from. And I think as I got older and I was able to create that space, that yeah. safe space yeah. that you get to as you, you know, as a teenager and as a child, you don't really choose where you live. And then as you get a job and you get to choose, you get a bit more choice, you get the opportunity to surround yourself with the right sort of people. Yeah. I think yeah. I've managed to create a bubble of friends that would never consider that terminology or those attitudes acceptable at all. A husband who, once again, similar situation is very, very never going to refer to women in that way and will ha- has had lots of very open and honest conversations with me about, you know, what these things mean. It's something that he kind of is very receptive to. So I think I kind of allowed myself to get, I don't want to say lazy, but comfortable and now I'm going, actually, we do need to start. Actually, maybe there is some value in talking about the trauma that comes with this. Maybe there is a bit more value in pushing ourselves outside of that comfort zone again. And there is an argument of, well, you know, it, I think people are a little bit bored of it, I say with inverted commas. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of the problem is that we're bored of it and yet it's still happening. So it's clearly not boring to some people. Do you know what has occurred to me as we were chatting about it just now is that you only got married like, gosh, was it four weeks ago, Charlotte? And is it you having that real reflection that as you move through life, stuff that's important to you when you're maybe younger and single stops being important to you when you're settled down in inverted commas? And that it was that real awareness of, no, the stuff that was important to me three years ago has to still be important to me now. I can't just move into my comfortable, you know, as was that part of it, do you think, for you? Yeah, a big part. I mean, the one thing I'd say that has been, I think, helpful as a, gentle reminder is that I do like to go out without my husband and without anyone just literally by myself and so some people will perceive me as a single woman until they meet me and they speak to me and they realize that at the time I was engaged I'm actually going out by myself to a gig on Friday so it'll be the first time going out as a married woman as a gig it'll be interesting to see how if that changes people's behavior towards me but yeah you definitely you could sense that difference when people were saying oh you know you're single and there was a bit of an assessment versus oh actually you're somebody else's and they push you away and they're still friendly and nice but all of a sudden it's a different nice uh-huh. so that's always I think interesting kind of going forward as the comfort side as I'm curious to see how as a married woman how my kind of slush how the kind of perception of my sexuality is evolving yeah and not my I, own sexuality to clarify just other people's view of it yeah uh-huh and I just think it's interesting that women have forever been and it doesn't seem to be waning women who are married are almost more valued all right so you're married if a woman is single it's like why have you never got married yet like people would ask women that i've got friends who are single who didn't actually want to get married it wasn't really what what they've seen for their lives but there is still an element of oh well you can't come to the dinner party because you're just one or like you're almost given more value if you are part of a couple that's really, really shite, isn't that? Basically shite. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, I know a lot of people that therefore have chosen not to get married. And I completely agree. We need to think about the laws around this because mm-hmm. it's just a bit strange, isn't it? Yes. Um, I don't really know. I mean, it's tricky with the married piece because once again, I think the other problem with me there is that there's so much that society is doing to encourage people to get married um, both overtly with kind of tax policy, but then equally 
kind of subverted with things like the way that they treat married people, the way that we'll have like couples options that are cheaper than the single option. And, you know, it's interesting to see how, why we're nudging people into this kind of monogamous, ah, excuse me, cishet relationships. Um, And I think once again, that is what stems back from the slut shaming is that actually the one thing, as I look at all the requirements of what women have is that if they're not aspiring to be in that cishet relationship with marriage as the goal, then in some way they're not trustworthy. And you know what I can really reflect on myself? So I reflect this back. I'm not going to blame myself. It's just maybe the society that I grew up in and everything. But my ex, I've been married for now 22 years. So I've been married a long time. And I love my husband and I'm glad I'm married to him. But it was really important to me that we actually did get married. And I certainly had the opinion that I would not have had children until I was married. Now, I don't put that on anybody else. Other people do what they want, but I had decided that was a standard for me. But now I'm starting to question that. Was that a standard I set myself or was that a standard somebody else at some point in my life set for me? Because I can't imagine that I would have set a standard like that because I'm really not that bothered by rules. (laughs) Do you know that way? It's not like yeah. I think everybody must do life like, you know, in heterosexual relationships with 2.5 children. That is not that is not my agenda in the world at all. But yeah, and I would still say that in a conversation if somebody asked me, I would say I wasn't going to have kids until I was married. It was important to me I was married before I had kids. And that's quite shocking me just now as we were chatting. I mean, I had the very same perception. That said, I do remember a couple of years ago, me and my partner being like, oh, if we had kids now, would it really matter? Nah. Because, um, I mean, we waited. we waited eight years. I think we took our time um, before we decided to actually sign the bit of paper. Yeah. But no, I had a very similar one. And I think what's interesting is, like I said, I think we're quite comfortable going, well, that was my choice and moving on. What we're seeing when it comes to shaming other women is, like I said, I think a lot of that kind of bias and shame, and I think it extends to a lot of social values, is that somebody else has made a choice for someone. They've chosen to follow it. And now they're resentful. Somebody else isn't doing the same thing. So their only option is to call out. And that's what's kind of gets this spiraling mob mentality. Yeah. Yeah. And so what do you think as you start to think now about what your feminism looks like, what equality looks like, you know, from this different position you're now in? Because even though you've been together for eight years, you're a wife. And that makes a difference to society, doesn't it? If it doesn't really, you know, you got married because you love each other and that's what you wanted to do. But it makes a difference, as we've already noted, to outside the world, to other people. All oh, right, so you're married. We tiny bit more respect, perhaps, from a lot of people. What do you think that means for you in terms of how you go on to define your feminism, but also what you're passionate about and how women should be represented in the world? Do you think that will impact it? I mean, I don't think my core values were. I always describe myself, I mean, there's hundreds of strands of feminism as an anti-patriarchal feminist. So my view is that the patriarchy is wrong. And actually that can push down on both sides. And a big example of that actually is when we come down to consent. I remember I used to go out with my husband before our kind of body languages used to kind of sense couple and we were still just getting to know each other. Like women used to come up and grab his bum. You know, all sorts of awkward things would happen that were just not acceptable. And so we had like lots of conversations about consent and how consent does work for both genders so I I don't think that core value is going to be changing that the patriarchy is the ultimate problem and that's where the shifts need to happen in terms of how power dynamics work Mm -hmm. I mean I'll be honest whenever I don't in any way feel any nerves when it comes to 
my own feminist beliefs dampening in any way and I think part of that is because when I got my first kind of step up in a job and realized I was going to be earning more than my now husband boyfriend at the time um this was about seven years ago I said what are you going to do if I keep earning more than you and he won't go shopping and be delighted (laughs) and so I think I picked the right partner I think sometimes that's the uh, that that would be my my thing to every kind of young feminist woman out there is like you you just be choosy and triage and pick pick somebody that really also holds those values with you yeah and now he kind of sits there being like yeah you could be a CEO one day you could be anything like you know Mm -hmm. he doesn't in any way see this as like you know I don't think we have that dynamic really yeah so I think in my personal life it's just not going to change I think potentially more how I speak about it more openly might change as I get a bit more opportunities to talk to people and actually have a bit more influence because like I said haven't you know really got many many opportunities to do that so far Uh and so see when we think about the word slot you just before we come on the podcast you messaged me to see if you could swear and I said well (laughs) yes you can uh, not on my radio show, but you can on this. This isn't off-com regulated, so we're fine, Charlotte. But when it comes to the use of the word slut, if my one of my daughters, and I'm really, I'm okay with people swearing. I, I swear far too much myself, and I'm actually okay with my children swearing as long as they swear responsibly and it's in context. I think it's responsible parenting. But if they said a word like slut, I would say, don't you dare say that word. Why are you saying that? Because I think it demeans women. Am I getting it wrong? What are your feelings towards the actual word slut? Um, I know I was so I remember when the first like slut walk happened, I was in university at the time and I was all for it. And I remember people just being like, No, nope, you can never be empowered if you have that word. And me being like, oh, I think you've got your own problems, mate. I haven't seen that really translate into what it wanted to as being this like I'm proud slut. And I think it's because of that constant undercurrent yeah. that women are not being supported so I don't personally use it in that way and like I said I don't think I still haven't I'm not seeing it used like that anymore Mm. and I mean in terms of once again this is something that I've talked about with my husband was going back to those times where women used to openly hit on him um, in front of me and I would have to be it was embarrassing it was awkward of course I felt territorial of course I felt all these uncomfortable feelings I remember he and I were very, very careful after one incident to kind of sit down and not immediately go to that slut shaming place and say, that girl's a slut. I mean, I was uncomfortable. I don't think she was intentionally trying to wrong me, but it happened. Uh-huh. And, you know, we sat down and we tr- we really made an effort not to call- to do any of the name calling and to say... I was uncomfortable in that situation. I and I don't think I, at the time I wasn't emotionally mature enough to say I was territorial. But yeah, I was like, I'm, I'm upset. Like I didn't like that, and he was like, I didn't like that either. It was uncomfortable. That woman is clearly not somebody that can be our friend, and it's okay to kind of distance somebody because of something like that incident. But it doesn't mean that you need to resort to those yeah. sorts of words misogyny you can recognize the problem, recognize the impact on you, make a choice that that benefits you without being a misogynist yeah yeah uh-huh it's interesting isn't it when we talk about these terms because i think you know of 120 odd podcasts this is the first one that's actually talked about words the words that we use to describe women and it does it's and when i think when i reflect on it when i tell my daughters not to say it, it's because i won't have words that are used to demean women 
bitch would be another one that I have, I don't say. That was the first time I've said it in a very long time. It's a word I do not say. Uh, anything, whoer, hooker, anything like that is words that I won't really allow in my presence. I will ask somebody to take that word back. Don't speak like that in front of me. And that's more about words that are just used to make a woman feel less than. Mm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so it's like, how do we, oh, how do you help to transmit that around? I mean, we're having this conversation and hopefully people will listen to it. But how do you start to get women to be like, well, I'm not going to say the word. And it's not because I don't think that a woman should have a hundred partners. It's just because I don't think we should give her a name for it. That's the difference, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, bitch is an interesting one because actually I think bitch has managed to do what slut failed yeah. in that, you know, we have now got boss bitch. I mean, one of my favourite things, I do like the videos, which are like, no, but not everybody fits into the bad bitch genre. Like, <laughs> it's funny. It's right. funny. I mean, it's, it's said in a lighthearted, empowered place. So, uh-huh. I mean, I, I I struggle with that one only because it, it. I think that has actually managed to make it into a, a space of... Um, a positive space okay. but yeah I mean what's going I think it's about focusing on your feelings it's about focusing on your impact how you're feeling in the moment because often 90% of the time um and actually this was one of the things I wanted to talk about is that if somebody's acting in a in a certain way even if you don't like it they probably think they're doing the right thing now it might be because they're an incredibly selfish person and the right thing is what's in their best interests and yeah. not in your yeah. interests mm-hmm. but it's still what they perceive as the right thing so you need to think about what this impact is having on you and what your actions are going to be and just not even think about them as a person or their name calling because you can't control that i know and you know i think it'd be interesting maybe one of us could do it after the podcast it would be good if we'd known now about how many words there is to use to demean women and how many words there is to use to demean men because i'm sure that's vastly different you know there's things that are very removed from what i think is okay that go on and i think how can you possibly behave like that and it's actually like our government just now for example the way they behave is much worse than a woman sleeping with 10 men a night if she wants to that's entirely up to her yeah 10 people a night do you know that way but i mean don't have a word for that there are sex workers that have paid bigger fines than boris johnson like can we just like take a moment to recognize that Uh like you know think about the levels of accountability there gosh Uh Uh, and yeah i mean thinking about it's that piece around accountability isn't it yeah um, and I do think, once again, that sits into so many other things, not just um, sexism, but that's also when we get into class, race, in, um, in sexuality, gender identity. Mm-hmm. Um, I apologise if I've missed any out of that. <laughs> yeah, no, but I think it's, it's really interesting. I think you've given us a conversation today that really makes me think about how how do we make the world a better place for women because it just happens it's it's all over the place we are demeaned for everything we do because if we're not a slut we're frigid yeah you know you're one or the other yeah can it be somebody that just likes occasional sex that would still probably still be frigid wouldn't it yeah exactly i mean like i said the sticks that you get beaten with it's just exhausting after a while and like I said sometimes it's by people you've never and like I said with more and more online conversation it's about people who've never even met you I think that's something that's for me the most worrying part or equally videos as well I'll just don't even get me started on videos you know just think about 
people going on holidays to Magaluf and all of a sudden that video is getting shared and it's completely out of their control and it's going to affect their employment and it shouldn't affect their employment, I think was the key thing. Yeah. I was listening to a different podcast about this a few days ago and a very, very sensible woman, I have a lot of respect for her, said, you know, these things are going to, these things, we need to educate p- children on this and be aware of this and not take part in these kind of, you know, in basically like kind of loutish behaviour in public. And I completely agree with her. But she said it will affect their career and their employment. And then I stopped and went, oh, hang on a minute. It shouldn't affect her career, their career and their employment. Like, you know, if any video came out of me drunk at 18 right now if my employer was like we're going to fire you over this I'd be like that is the wrong employer frankly because that's my I'm not defined by what I did 12 years ago exactly exactly well I feel as if you've opened a lot of thoughts hopefully for a lot of people and about how we use these words and how we define women and how we just label it's it's a real thing isn't it about we have to label everybody everybody needs a label Mm. can I just be can I just be Anne I need to be, and for a while, I would be calling myself like I was bullshit and I was a hippie and I was this and I was that. And I actually stopped giving myself so many labels to the extent that as a freelancer, when I was getting my business cards done, I really struggled as to what I would put as what I actually do for a living on it. Because I thought, I don't really want to hem myself into a label. So it's just about labeling, isn't it? Yeah, and especially when labels have nothing to do with what you actually do. Um, The one I always think about, and I know we talked about this together in person, is leadership. And I think I said something like, you know, you can't lead if there's no one following you. So make sure to turn around every so often and check Uh there's people behind you. Uh Um, I think there's a lot of that, you know, especially in careers where we're kind of, you know, it's very difficult to assign those labels to ourselves. Women find it incredibly difficult But then equally, I just think we need to stop talking about them and talk about what we've done. Exactly. A lot easier. It's a lot easier to say what you've done than to say, I am X, I am Y. I look forward to having many a conversation like this with you, Charlotte, as the weeks and months go on. But thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for having me. Hello and thank you for joining me on this episode of What Do You Know For Sure podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can do that across social media by searching and Hughes Ignite. If I refer to my radio show and the podcast, you can catch those on my Mixcloud. Again, just searching and Hughes Ignite. And if you or anybody you know want to answer this question with me, please do get in touch. Just go onto my website, anhughesignite.co.uk and fill in the contact page at the bottom and I'll be delighted to have this conversation with you too. Thank you.